You're listening to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We do this through our regular weekend services, life groups that meet throughout the week, and by helping people connect to their God-given purpose. Each year, our lead pastor, Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, shares vision that helps us focus as a church. On Vision Sunday, he shared a message called Courage to Connect. We have several ways you can connect with the church and each other. We believe that God created us to live in community with others so we can experience the full life He intends for us. Meaningful relationships can be hard to find, and that's why life groups exist, to make life-changing relationships relevant and accessible to you. Life groups are a small gathering of people that meet on a regular basis, who share similar interests, are at a similar stage in life, or have experience in an area that you would like to learn more about. Most of all, a life group can become a place where people know more than just your name. They are people that genuinely care about what is happening in your life as well. Our spring life groups are now in session. Check out the life group finder at intlfamilychurch.com to find the perfect group for you. This year, we're dedicated to having the courage to say yes to connection and taking steps towards personal and spiritual growth. That's why we're so excited for our New England Women's Convention to return this May from Thursday, May 9th through Friday the 10th. This event's the perfect opportunity for women of every background and age group to gather together to worship Jesus, celebrate one another, and strengthen their walk with God. Save the day for this year's New England Women's Convention and visit newconline.com. Now here's today's message. Judges chapter 6. You guys ready? Come on now. First service was fired up. Are y'all awake today? I, I told first, I pitched you guys against each other. You didn't know that. Third service is going to come in. I'm going to say second service was the bomb. Are you guys here today? I'm ready to preach that. I came excited. Judges chapter 6, we find the story of Gideon. And him and his family and all of his people, man, they are downtrodden. They've been beat up, beat down. For years, they've been oppressed. In fact, we find Gideon, I would say he's probably depressed when we find him in the story. Their crops have been destroyed. Their villages have been burned. And then this whole crew of people, they're hiding. They're fearful. They're living a fearful life. Check this out. Judges chapter 6. It says, one day the angel of the Lord came down and sat under the tree that Oprah Winfrey owned. No, it does say that. I'm going to have fun today, all right? Pastor's gone. We can... Uh, y'all have fun with me. He sat under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the, <laughs> the Abazarite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press out of the sights of the Midianites. When the angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. And Gideon replied, with me? With me? Who are you talking about? You remember that show? Um, oh, I can't remember, but that kid used to say, well, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Different stroke. What you talking about, Willis? I think that's how Gideon responded, like, with me? What you talking about, God? You know me. And he said, come on. And he said, if God is with me, then why has all this happened to me and my family and my friends? And where are all the miracle wonders? Of our parents and our grandparents, and they used to tell us, I mean, didn't God deliver us from Egypt already? The fact is, God, you have nothing to do with us. You've turned us over to Midian. But God faced him directly. You ever had God get in your face? He'll get in your face if you allow him to. You know, when you're in trouble, you know, like my mom, she calls me, hey, Josh, can you do this or that? But when you're in trouble, it's Joshua Walter. (laughs) 
I think this was what he was saying. God faced him saying, Gideon, you better get your tail in order. Go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian for haven't I just sent you? God, Gideon again said to him, listen, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm, I'm just hiding here, trying to stay safe. There's people trying to get me. With me, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. What, what in the world? What, I mean, look at me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the weakest in the clan, man. I'm, our, town is the, our town's the weakest in the town, and I'm from the, the biggest bunch of losers in that town. I'm the run of the family. I'm, I'm the low, if there's a low on the totem pole, you pick the lowest. God said, I'll be with you. Believe me, as one man, you will defeat Midian. Today, I want to talk about your identity. Your identity. Because this is what this story is telling us, and we'll get to more of this next week, but Gideon had a simple identity problem. He's telling God, look at me, man. Look at me. I'm going to give you something right here. This is a bonus. It's not in my notes, so you just write it down, but listen to this. When God calls you to do something, the worst thing you can do is look at yourself. He's saying, look at me, and God said, I know, I already seen you. You ugly. <laughs> Scrawny, weak, you are, man, you are a twerp, but I choose you anyways. Look at me. Listen, when God calls you to do something, the worst thing you can do is tell him to look at you. He had an identity problem. I like the definition that Webster gives to the word identity. It means the distinguishing character. You know some characters? That's what my grandmother used to call my friends. You run with some wild characters. Listen, this is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. Identity is who you are. It's the way you think about yourself. It's the way you view and are viewed by the world. It's the characteristics that define you. That's your identity. And I find right now in, in this time, in 2019, people are really getting obsessed about identity. And I like it. They want to know who they are. They're going on Ancestry.com, man. They want to find out where they came from. They want to find out where their lineage is. They want to find out who else is on their family tree. Yeah. There's other people that are using uh, websites like 23andMe.com. They want to find out about, excuse me, their genetic code. Yeah. My granddaddy died of a heart disease. It is that running my life. They're inspecting who they are. They want to have a bunch of information about themselves. And then you've got personality profiles. I love personality profiles. It's, it's a, a, a test or an assessment that tells you more about who you are. One that I love, it's called Strength Finders. And the thing I love about Strength Finders is that's what it does. It points out your strengths. Listen, when you know your strengths, you can start to play to your strengths. Yes. But if you never know your strengths, you meddle on your weaknesses. How about the Enneagram? Anybody taking the Enneagram? That's the new one. Everybody loves that one. People are obsessed with knowing these things. In our next steps, when you go through our next step, we use the DISC profile. We want to help you discover who you are. Amen. Today as believers, like no other time, we need to know who we are and who we're not. Yes. I'll give you a couple statements right here. To answer your calling, you're going to have to know who you are in Christ. To answer your calling, you have to know who you are in Christ. To complete your assignment, 
you're going to have to know who you are in Christ. As Paul said, to finish your race, you're going to have to know who you are in Christ. You're going to have to help me today. You have to know who you are in Christ. Listen to this scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are. You want to know who you are? Find out in him. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Man, that's good news right there. For glorious living. Now, well, just, you know, same old, same old. No, his plan was from glory to glory that we increase, that we succeed, that we prosper. Y'all gonna y'all gonna help me today? I got Anthony over here, y'all. Come on now. Listen, this was his overall purpose. He's working out everything in everyone. It's in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it. This is Paul telling the church in Ephesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and I would give thanks. But I did more than that. Say amen. amen. Yeah, I did more than that. I asked, I asked God, the master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you smart. Amen. I'll take that, man. I need all the help I can. Uh, come on. I'm praying that you be intelligent in discerning and knowing him personally. Amen. Your eyes will be focused and clear so you can see exactly what it is. No question about it. What he's calling you to do and grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for us as Christians. Paul's saying, listen, I'm praying for you that you'll find out who you are. I pray that you discover your true identity, not who you think you are, not who somebody told you you are. I pray that you'll, you'll see this for yourself, that you'll know Jesus one-on-one, not from some preacher, not from something else, but for yourself, that you would come into a realization that God has a plan for your life, and his plan has a purpose, and it happens when you find out who you are and what he's already done for you. That's a powerful prayer. I pray that you would be smart enough to see you're not just existing, aimlessly wandering the earth. You have a purpose. I pray that you find yourself in Christ. You could tell I woke up on the right side of the bed today. Like all week, you start studying about this, man, it gets you fired up. I text some of my buddies. I have a lot of pastor friends, and I'll text them on Sunday morning, sometimes Saturday night. I'll say, hey, praying for you, man praying for you and a couple of them they're you know they're they've they take it down real cool and they say yeah it's gonna be a great talk tomorrow i'm gonna give a talk tomorrow i'm like whatever happened to preaching i don't need a talk man i i need a sermon from god i i need something that i can latch on to so i'm gonna do that today i'm gonna give you a pep talk my pep talk should motivate you to find out who you are in christ today my pep talk, my challenge to you is that you would leave here with a greater understanding. You are somewhere going somewhere to happen. You are someone going somewhere to happen. I pray that you would today come into a realization that Jesus wants to know you. By the end of this sermon, my prayer is that you would find identity in Jesus Christ. That's why I started with the story of Gideon, because the angel was saying, you're not who you think you are. God wanted to give him a new identity. God wanted to get his eyes off of himself. 
and his eyes focused on Jesus. You know, for many years, 43 years old, there's been seasons in my life where I didn't feel like I knew my identity. Even as a pastor sometimes, even as a missionary sometimes, you find yourself in these seasons where life just seems overwhelming and you start questioning, eh, is it really? Am I really? Is he really? And you're probably there or have been there or if you haven't or aren't, you will be at some point. Well, I'm a blood-bought, saved believer. That's great. But the devil's still around the corner trying to tell you who you ain't. And there will come seasons in life where you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and remind yourself who you are in Christ. And so in those seasons, I've had to do that for myself. And so I would ask the Lord, help me regain that passion, that, that fervor, that discipline to be who you created me to be and not who somebody else wants me to be. So I'm going to give you some tips he gave me. This is the first one. When I asked, help me rediscover my identity, he said, well, you got to know that I'm for you and I'm with you. Yeah. You can't identify yourself in Christ if you think he's out to get you. You can't find identity in Christ if you think he's mad at you. Listen to me. The first things he said to Gideon was, God is with you, almighty warrior. He's basically said, I'm with you, so you need to see yourself and you need to know I'm with you. God is with us no matter whether we feel like he is or not. Just because it looks like things are crazy around us, he's right there in the middle with us. See, I meet people all the time who are not saved and when I ask them, why don't you come to church or why don't you attend such a... And they say, well, you know, how you know that whole message about God. I said, what message about God? Well, you know, that he's, he's full of wrath and anger and he hates sin. I said, well, that's one side of God in the Old Testament, but I'll live under that covenant. I have a new covenant, which means he's for me more than I could be for myself. He's not against me. He loves me. He's for me. He's with me. He's never leaving. Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says that he's never going to change. Can I tell you this right now? God's for you, and he's not mad at you. And maybe you're watching online, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I believe that. You need to grab a hold of this today. God loves you. He's for you. He has a plan for your life. And when you can understand that, now you can begin to say, well, I can identify with this. You know why people don't want to identify with Christianity? Because of this. They've been told God's mad, God's angry, God's going to get them. He's got a fly swatter and he's looking to get you, man. He's got a bat and he's waiting around the corner for you to screw up. Listen, God ain't got no bat. He ain't waiting to smash you. He's waiting to love on you. He ain't got no fly swatter. He's looking to empower you. He wants you to see yourself the way that he sees you, and that's perfect. Oh, man. He wants you to see yourself as perfect. For me, my identity in Christ started regaining that with an understanding that he loved me and he's not against me. Check out Romans chapter 8. And by the way, for all you overachievers who are like, I'd like to do some more study on this, Romans chapter 8 would be a place to live for the next week. Take it and just own it. Just eat it. Look it up 20 different translations. Make Romans 8 years. He said, for we know that in everything God works the good of those who love him. Why do I know if he loves me? Well, you chose him. You accepted Jesus, he loves you, and you love him. These are the people that God chose. Everybody say, he chose me. Because that was his plan. 
God knew them before he made the world. And he decided that they would be like his son. Then Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. For God had planned for them to be like his son. His plan was that you would look just like Jesus. In the way that he sees Jesus, he sees you the same way. In the same way that you see yourself is the same way you need to understand is how he looks at his son. He chose them and made them right with him in right standing, in righteousness. Here's the thing. After that, he made them right and he gave them his glory, God's love in Jesus Christ. That word glory means favor, goodness, blessing. Guess what? He had it all planned out. I don't know what the plan of God is for my life. Hey, go read Romans 8. It's to prosper you. It's for you to find and see yourself like he sees Jesus. You think he loves his son? Yeah. Of course he does. Then he loves you that same much. Yeah. And you got to get away from anybody and everybody and any doctrine that would tell you otherwise. God's for you and not against you. It goes on to say, so what do we say about all this? God is for us. Someone left it. If God is for me, who can be against me? And God is with us. Yeah. This is important, guys. He said all that. I want you to say, I created you like my son. I want you to see yourself like him. And then what do you got to say about all that? What you got? What you got? If God is for me, no one can stand against me because God is with me. Listen, my identity had to be re-anchored in the fact that God is with me and for me. If there's been a detachment of who you are and you're questioning who you are, reattach it first and foremost. He loves me. He's for me. He's got a plan. It's to succeed. Listen to this statement I love by our pastor. He says, he loves me too much to hurt me. And he's too wise to make a mistake with my life. That is good. This is the gospel, guys. This is good news. You want your friends to come to church and receive Jesus? This is a great message to start with. Hey, I, I don't know how you grew up, and I don't know what people told you, but the God I serve, he's for you. Well, I don't know about that. Well, you don't need to know. You need to understand. I pray for you that your eyes would be under open. I pray that you'd be smart enough to see it. Don't be dumb. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be dumb. It's very clear. God's for us. He's with us. Even in the dark times. I said this in the first service. I'll say it again for, for those that are there in those dark times because it feels like he's far away. But he ain't moved. Sin and shame cause us to step back and away from him. So if there's any distance in you and God, it happened on your feet of walking, not his. He's planted. He's firm. He's never changing. You can't talk him out of this. Let me say it to you as the word says it. There is nothing, nothing that could separate you from the love of God. No sin of the past, no sin of the present, and no sin of the future. It's all covered under the blood because he loves us. Number two, y'all are finally catching on here. Number two, I had to begin to see myself the way God sees me. We're going to camp here for a minute. This is, this is the big one for me. When you want to find identity or identify with Christ, you need to see yourself as he sees you. He called Gideon mighty warrior. Gideon's like, I ain't mighty. And I sure as heck ain't no warrior. 
I'm about to get a beat down if I don't get back in this wine press. There's Midianites all around here. Can we talk in here? He had to see himself as mighty. The angel was saying, you didn't see yourself as a warrior, not a wimp. You're never going to do anything for God if you can't see yourself the way he sees you. Gideon had identified himself as weak, as the least, as a loser, as defeated. He was telling God every reason why he didn't qualify. Listen, I love the movie of the show, The Voice. Y'all like The Voice? And it's a show about singers who want to display their talent. They want to get a record deal, right? And so they get up on the stage and they sing and there's three or four judges, but they got their backs turned to them. And if the judge likes them, y'all seen this show? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so if they like them, then they hit this big red button and all of a sudden the chair spins around and on the bottom of the chair, it says, I choose you. God was telling Gideon, listen, I I don't care about your qualifications. I choose you. Bam. He hit the button and chose him. I like what Stephen Furtick says. He says, God has canceled the audition. You don't need to audition for God. You're pre-qualified. You win. What do you want? Where's the contract? I believe in you. I choose you. And you have to understand that. We're not to retort back to God what we're unqualified in because he's not using your qualifications to call you. He's using the qualifications of Jesus Christ. Well, I think I got to perform and dance and get God to, no, no, no. Listen, you ain't need to do all none of that stuff. All you need to say is, I choose you. And he says, oh, I already chose you. Yeah. I've canceled the audition. Yeah. Find yourself in me. For many of us, we live a performance-based lifestyle, hoping that we can do things right enough that God would choose us. It's never going to happen. Once you accept Jesus, you're as holy as you're ever going to be. You're as in right standing as you'll ever be. Because he's not measuring your qualifications. He's choosing Jesus. One of the things I had to do was I had to stop allowing other people to put labels on me. When someone puts a label on you, you hear it, it sinks in, and then you start thinking about it and you start saying it. I think about all the teenagers that I've counseled over the years that had low self-esteem. They didn't think they were going to do anything with their life. They didn't get that from nowhere. They got it from their mom and their dad or their cousin or their aunt or some knucklehead teacher at school. Listen, you have to stop allowing people to put labels on you. And you have to see yourself the way God sees you. To stop giving excuses to why God can't use you. For some of us, maybe you're watching online, you've been blaming God for why you are where you are. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming him. We go back to point number one. He's for you, not against you. He's with you. He'll never leave you. Stop blaming God for what happened. For some of us to identify with Christ, we're going to have to take some ownership. We have to own some of the stuff that we've done and said, and guess what? It's all under the blood. But we have to stop blaming God. Here's the, here, I'm going to give you a couple of nuggets here. Here's how I began to see myself as God sent me. Number one, I had to dig in his word and find out what the Bible said about me. I had to dig in the word, Diane, and find out what scriptures that told me how he thought about me and how he saw me. And let me just tell you, it ain't that hard. You don't even have to have a paper-bound Bible. You just got Alexa. 
hey, Alexa, pull up all the, tell me all the scriptures and tell me who I am in Christ. <laughs> 2019, guess what? Technology will do it for you. Hey, Siri, what does the Bible say about who I am in Christ? Bam, all of a sudden, here's 325 scriptures that say in Christ. Hey, Alexa, can you find all the scriptures that say in Christ? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you find those and you write them out and you begin to own them. But you got to do the work. Listen, I could tell you you're awesome all day long, but, but you got to do something with it. You got to find a biblical brick to stand on. You got to build a platform to rise up out of the junk and say, No, I am the, the righteousness of God of Christ Jesus. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am held. You got to find that for yourself. I'm going to tell you a trick. Your pastor cannot do this for you. Your small group leader cannot do this for you. Your dream team captain can't do this. You got to get hungry. I like Les Brown. You got to get hungry. You're going to have to dig in the word and find it for yourself. And then here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to meditate on it. And then you're going to have to declare it. Joshua 1.8. What a great book. It says, don't for a minute let this book of revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night. How often? Day and night. Once a week? No, twice a day. Twice a day. Doctor's orders. Get two gospels. Some of y'all take pills religiously. Oh, I got to have them in the morning. I got to have them here. I got to have them here. We freak out over the pills. We got them in boxes lined up. But we put the Bible aside thinking oh, there's nothing good in there. He says, don't let it be out of your mind. Ponder it and meditate on it day and night. Twice a day. Everybody say twice a day. Twice a day. Doctor's orders. Making sure you practice everything written in it, then you'll get where you're going. Some of y'all lost. I meet people all the time. I was, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Hey, I got a solution. Get in the book and meditate on it twice a day. Twice a day. And then you'll find out where you're going. And guess what? It gets better than that. Then you're going to succeed. I just want to be successful. Twice a day, meditate on the word. Ponder the word. Twice a day. Everybody say twice a day. Turn to your neighbor and say twice a day. Then you shall be successful. This is where it comes. I want to, how do I, I got to pay all these people online to take these classes to learn how to be successful. You don't need to pay any money. It's free. Meditate on the word. Haven't I already commanded you? Man, y'all are fun today. Strength, courage. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. Here it is again. God, your God. That means ownership. Your God. Not your grandmama's God. Not your friend's God. Not your neighbor's God. Your God is with you every step you take. Some of us just need to change what we ponder on. We spend so much time by ourselves thinking about our past and we ponder it. Oh, I shouldn't have gone out and done that. Man, that was a dumb mistake. If I could go back, I wouldn't do that again. Because of this and that happened. And we ponder the past. We ponder on the choices we've made over and over. Guilt and shame will try to take space in your mind like nobody's business. They will try to find any little route that they can and take it up so they get you thinking about it. Because here's the thing, if you think about it, you're bound to it. Some of you need to stop thinking about how much of a loser you are. Because that's what somebody told you. 
You need to stop thinking about how you failed in the past because here's the thing, your future's bright. You just need to reshift your thinking. Every time you open the Bible, guess what? You should get a greater view of yourself and ponder on that. I was listening to Joel Osteen yesterday and he said, he said so many people spend so much time looking in the little rearview mirror looking backwards, that they miss looking out the big window and seeing the opportunity in front of them. I want to challenge you. Some of you need to rip the rearview mirror off your car. And your life. Because you spend so much more time looking in the rearview mirror, seeing who's coming up behind you and worried about what's happening in the past. And God's saying, man, you need to really let that go and focus on the future. Your opportunities waiting ahead of you. The past is the past. Ponder the future. Philippians, out of the passage, Philippians 4 says this. So keep your thoughts. You're the keeper of your thoughts. You are the keeper of your thoughts. You decide which thoughts stay and which thoughts go. When I was dealing with anxiety a few years ago, I was having crazy thoughts. And by the way, you're not crazy until you act on your crazy thoughts. And I had a friend of mine, he said, well, why do you accept those thoughts? I said, well, I'm thinking them all the time. He said, well, just reject them. I said, what do you mean? He said, just say it out loud when you have a crazy thought. Say, that's not my thought. That's not my thought. I don't think that way. I got the mind of Christ. Oh, I'm in Christ. So I have his mind. I have his way of thinking. I think like Christ. And Christ wouldn't think that because that's crazy. (laughs) You know what? I suffered for years with anxiety, and that was the easiest fixed. No pill in my pocket. Someone told me, if you just carry a Xanax in your pocket, you'll be way better because you'll know that if you need it, you can at least take it. I don't want to carry no pills in my pocket to trick my mind that I might need to take it. Why don't I just reject those thoughts? That ain't my thought. I don't take that thought. Some of y'all need to do this, and you have to act stupid in your own car. Listen, there's nobody in your car to call you stupid, so don't think it's stupid. Talk to yourself. When you're scrubbing your hair and you dance around in the shower and all of a sudden some crazy thought comes, guess what? You can reject that thought. Oh, I don't take that thought. I started doing it um, timidly. I started saying it without courage. I don't take that thought. I don't take that thought. And then it just wasn't working. And so I just started declaring, that ain't my thought. Yeah. You know how many times on Sunday morning before I'm getting ready to preach, I'm sitting right where, where Jay sits and I'm saying out loud during worship, that ain't my thought. <laughs> y'all can't hear me because y'all in the glory. And I'm over there saying, I don't take that thought. <laughs> that ain't my thought. Yes. Y'all laughing, but... I'm giving you a freebie. This will change your life. Reject those thoughts and then replace those thoughts. Listen to this. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that's authentic. Philippians 4.8. And real and honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy. Man, this list is exhausting. Merciful, kind, and then fasten your thoughts. Fasten them, fix them like a seatbelt. Lock yourself into this way of thinking on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. You are what you think of yourself. As a man thinks, so is he. 
I want to be a different man. I want to be a different woman. I want a different marriage. I want my finances to be different. I want my kids to be different. Begin to think and ponder and meditate on what you found in the word. And then speak it. And then speak it. Think the right thoughts and then speak the right words. To see yourself, you can't just think it. you got to gather it and ponder it and think it. And then you release your faith by declaring it with your own mouth. I'm an overcomer. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender, not the borrower. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this dumb world. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. He already did it for me. Oh, here's one for you. For those people that are sick, I am healed of the Lord. I don't feel healed. I know you don't. But get Isaiah 53, 5 and ponder it in your mind and then release it with your mouth. By the chastisement of my peace was put upon him. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Nothing missing, nothing broken. My mind's clear. My eyes are focused. I will fulfill my race. I will fulfill my purpose. The enemy, he's behind me. God's out in front of me. You can't talk like that long enough and you'll fire yourself up. And you'll find out I'm not depressed anymore. I don't feel anxious. Man, my marriage seems like it's working. My kids are growing up in the Lord. My finances, my business. What happened? You changed your thoughts. You began to see himself, see yourself the way he sees you and you owned it with your words. Man, I wish y'all would help me today. To find your identity in Christ. See yourself way he sees you as a son, as a daughter, an heir to the king. It rightfully belongs to you. Number three. Thanks for letting me yell at you. I love preaching here. Number three. Understand that God picked you for an assignment. Your identity isn't just so you can say, look at me, I'm a Christian. Your identity is so you can identify differently than everybody else. You've been given an identity in Christ, so it sets you apart. When you go to work, there should be something different about you. When you walk your dog in your neighborhood, there should be something different about you. When you encounter your neighbors on the streets, there should be something that identifies you different than the identity they're searching for. Here's what it is. You're on assignment. Gideon saw himself as a loser because he couldn't see his purpose. When you don't understand why your life has meaning, it doesn't really matter to you whether you identify with anything or everything. But when you understand that God had a plan and that he chose you, you'll understand that I need to find myself in him so I can fulfill that plan. When you have no purpose, you have no self-worth. When you feel like your life is pointless, you begin to slowly lose the grip on your identity. I want to challenge you today. And I want you to leave encouraged. And if nobody's told you this all week, your life has a purpose. You were created with passion for a purpose. You were made the way you are intentionally. I'm kind of quirky and weird. Listen, there's a lot of quirky and weird people. Yeah. And guess what? It takes all kinds to reach all kinds. I don't want you to become anything other than quirky and weird if that's who you are. God created you that way. And now you get to figure out how does that play into your assignment to reach other people like you. 
I remember when I started the Bible study at a tattoo shop and some friends of mine wanted to come, but they came in khaki pants and white button downs with big leather bound Bibles. <laughs> We're here to preach the gospel. <laughs> and my buddies are standing outside smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, thinking, who are these church boys? <laughs> And I said, guys, y'all wore the wrong clothes here, man. You're about to get a beat down just for wearing those khakis. <laughs> Listen, if you're a khaki-wearing person, then go to the khaki-loving people. But if you're a stained-glass person like me, guess what? God's called you to minister to those kind of people. You're unique. Yes. I said, you're unique. Yes. You know, your fingerprint is unique. Nobody else ever has been or ever will have your fingerprint. You know that God is numbered than hairs on your head? That's impressive. But here's the thing. He knows the, the number on every hair of your head. And when you're combing it out, he's like, there went 5,632. <laughs> there went 4,092.65. He's counting them. He's numbered each one. That's how unique we are. Why would we try and get away from our uniqueness and try to fit in? Listen, you fitting in, you're never going to reach anybody. Popularity, it's overrated. Be you. Amen. Be you in him. Thank you, Miss Althea. I can always count on you. Your life has purpose. Your skills and your talents, you were intentionally given those. He's created you with a plan in mind. Listen to me. Your life is not an accident. Amen. Maybe you're watching online and you feel like your life's an accident. You were a mistake. You were unplanned. No, you weren't. Maybe by your parents, but not by God Almighty. There are no accidents in the plan of God. You're right where you need to be. He's right there with you. We need to stop telling people they're an accident and labeling them as children and talking to them that way, even though you didn't plan it. God had a plan. And guess what? He can take our screw-ups and turn them around to project the glory of God. That's how awesome he is. Can I tell you this? I don't think you can screw up God's plan for your life. You're not that smart. Well, that's kind of, you know, crazy preaching, Pastor. Listen, he said, for I know the thoughts and plans. It's plural. PK, there's an S on that. That means if I screw up the plan, he's got another one. And it starts right where I left off. And, and then I screwed that one up. He's still there. And he's got another plans. Well, I messed up plan A. Guess what? Plan B right around the corner. Well, I screwed that one up too. Plan C. It's on its way. Some of us gone through plan D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. H, I, J, K. I can keep going. Listen, you can't screw up the plan of God because you didn't design it. You are chosen. I'll wrap this up. Listen to this scripture. I had too much fun with y'all today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, verse 5. It says, even as he chose us. Well, you know, when I found the Lord, hey, may hold on a second. You didn't find him. Oh, back in 65, I found the Lord. You didn't find him. Well, I just, well, you know, I was a wandering soul and, and I found King Jesus. You didn't find him. He found you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Listen to this. You've got to wrap your mind around this. Everything on this planet, he made it for you. Because he planned you before he created the world. 
I'm blowing your mind right now. This world we live in, we oversee it, we rule it, and we dominate it because it was created for us. Don't get it twisted. You're not bound to this earth system. The system is bound to your authority and your identity. I don't preach a whole other message there. He created us, chose us, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Let me tell you something. You may not have had a father. He wants to be your father. He wants to adopt you. You may not know your mom or your grandmother. You may not know your family. He's adopting you today. He chose you to be part of his family. And what belongs in the family belongs to you. When you find your identity in him, you're no longer from a dysfunctional family. You're from the family that creates function. When you find yourself in Christ, all that stuff that happened in your past is erased and you become whole and complete with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as your father. You've been adopted. So many people use the excuse of their past and their family, what happened to them and what they didn't have. Jesus said it all right. He said it all right. I don't have to live that life anymore. He's adopting us. Failures, broken individuals as his sons that we may be made right just as Christ is right. You know the Bible says that that, that, that Jesus is seated in heavenly places interceding for us. And so if I find myself in Christ, that means I'm right there with him. Seated. I'm not trying to work it out. I'm resting. I'm chilling. I'm chilling with the boss, my daddy. I got to perform. I, I, oh, I get it for free because Jesus got it. Find your identity in Christ. It's important to understand that God picked you, He chose you because there's a purpose on your life. Let me finish this with a story. A few years, a few years back, many, many, many years ago, I was not youth pastoring. I was not on staff at a church. I had left the church I was at and I didn't have a title anymore. I wasn't Pastor Josh. I didn't have any business cards that said Pastor Josh. I didn't sit on the front row as Pastor Josh. I didn't have an office. I was just another dude working a normal job doing construction in the mornings and I worked at eBay in the evenings. I found myself wandering because my identity was in my title that someone gave me in a church. That's all I knew. Pastor Josh, Brother Josh. In this season, I wasn't here. I was just Josh. And I, I, I started like wrestling with my identity. Well, I don't know what to do. And I remember going to 7-Eleven on this day in San Antonio, Texas, and there was a dude there. He had a bag over his shoulder with a bunch of Frisbees. He looked like he was looking for a park to throw these Frisbees. And so I picked up a hitchhiker. This should say, do not attempt at home. Don't try this. I'm not advocating picking up hitchhikers. But I picked this gentleman up, and, and I said, you're going to play disc golf? He said, well, I was, but I don't know how to get there. I said, come on, I'm, I'll take you. Fifteen minutes into the conversation, he tells me I'm visiting from out of town. My wife is having surgery today. And this is our final try. If she doesn't get this, she's going to die. She's got a spinal condition. This is our last hope. He said, I couldn't be at the hospital today. It's just too much to see her going through this. I thought I'd get out. And immediately I realized, this ain't a mistake that you're meeting me. I'm on assignment today. 
My identity isn't in a title or a position of pastor or leader. My position right now is I'm a son of God wanting to reach out to someone else that God wants to adopt into his family. In a moment, I was, I don't know about what I'm doing. God says, don't forget your assignment. You're in me. You know, I got to minister to that guy for eight hours that day. For the next year and a half, we went back and forth on email. You know what? I got to pray for his wife. She's healthy. She's whole. You know, here's the crazy thing. If you can't see yourself in Christ, he won't bring those kind of situations beyond your path. I wish I'd have the impact. Find yourself in Christ and find yourself on assignment. Find yourself with a purpose. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself doing the works of Jesus. It all starts with your identity. Will you bow your heads with me? Man, I've had a great time with you guys today. Thanks for, thanks for listening. But there's some here today and there's some watching online and you're, you're struggling because you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. I want to give you that opportunity. I'd be remiss if I didn't give you that opportunity to connect with him and find out who you really are. The Bible says that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross Pay the price for our sins. And then he raised him from the dead so we can have a relationship with God again. That offer still stands. And I want to extend it to you. I'm not going to ask you to get up out of your seat. I won't embarrass you. But if you're here today and you say, man, that's me. I, I need Jesus in my life. I need to find a new identity today. I want to pray for you. Would you do this? Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yes, I see you in the back. Yes, sir, right here. I see you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yes, yes, yes. This is awesome. Yes, in the back. One, two, three. I see all of you. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Man, this is amazing. People are going to be transformed from death to life today. A fresh start. New creatures in Christ. Anybody else? Say, count me in, Pastor. Pray for me. I'm ready. Fresh start today. I see you, buddy. Yes, sir. I'll pray for you. It takes courage to pursue God's plan for your life. It takes courage to set down your identity and pick up his. Anybody else? You want to join these? Pray for me, Pastor. I need Jesus in my life. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Amen. So many people. Can we do this together as a family? We're a family church. And you say, well, I prayed that prayer before. Well, pray it with us like, like you never prayed it before. So those that are praying it for the first time feel like they're surrounded by people that love them. Say this with me. Say, Father God, today I choose you. Today, in front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare you Lord over my life. Today, I find my identity in your son Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can help us to do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.